This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you that are watching now, and we want you to stay tuned today as we discuss a very important topic, God's viewpoint on family values. God's viewpoint on family values. Please stay tuned. Now today on Getting to Know Your Bible, we continue to offer a free Bible correspondence course. I emphasize the course is free. We want you to have it. And please stay tuned for just a few moments while we let you know what's involved in the course, how you may receive it. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580. Or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. Our text today is going to be from the 127th Psalm. Psalms 127. Except the Lord build a house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman wakes but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth beloved sleep. Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord. And the fruit of the womb is his reward. His arrows are in the hands of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with their enemies in the gate. I suppose that almost every person has their idea about the home. They have their viewpoint about it. And you listen to people in the news media, they have their viewpoint about it. You listen to protesters in the street, they have their viewpoint about the home. You, you listen to politicians, they have their viewpoint about it. And then preachers are not going to be left out. They have their viewpoint as well. And it is odd that there's a variety of viewpoints, even among those who claim to be preachers, as it relates to the home. But you know, there's one thing that I find strange. Not many people today are asking, how does God feel about the home? What is God's perspective? What is God's viewpoint as it relates to family values? You know, I would think that we'd be a lot more concerned about God's viewpoint than anyone else's. And there are a number of reasons that I give for why we ought to be more interested in what God says about the family than what anyone else might have to say or what anyone else might think. Reason number one, we ought to be con concerned about God's 
idea and God's feeling and God's viewpoint about the home is because he's the one that created the home. In the very beginning of time, after he had created the man, he saw that it was not good for the man to be alone. So he took a rib from the side of man, and from that rib he made the woman. And then when the woman was presented to the man, he said, This is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman, for she is taken out of man. For this cause a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two of them shall be one flesh. God created the home. You know, if I, if I have a problem with my automobile, and I want to have that automobile fixed, I don't take my automobile to a person that works on refrigerators because they probably don't know anything about my car. You see, I'm going to take my car to someone who knows more about the car that I'm driving than anyone else. Isn't that good? That's just common sense, isn't it? And it just seems to me that if we want to know about the home, that we would consult the one who created the home in the very beginning of time. A second reason I would suggest that we need God's viewpoint on the family is because of the wisdom of God. God is so much wiser than we are. He's more knowledgeable than we are. As a matter of fact, God knows it all. Isaiah 55 verse 8 and 9 tells us that my thoughts are not your thoughts, and neither are my ways your ways, saith the Lord, as the heavens are higher than the earth. So are my thoughts and your thoughts, and my ways and your ways. So how, who am I to tell God what I think about the home? I need to be asking, what does God say about the home? And then another reason I suggest that we need to be consulting God about the home, that we need to be thinking, what does God say about the family? What is his viewpoint about the family? It is because one day I'm going to stand before him in the judgment and I'll have to give an account to him for what I have done in the family. And so one day I will give an account for my life. I will give an account to him for the way that I have conducted myself in the home as a father, as a husband, as a grandfather. What a serious thing to think about standing before God, giving an account to him for our lives. You see, we ought to be concerned about what God thinks. As it relates to the family, there appears to be a national state of emergency so far as the home is concerned. There is a breakdown of the home in America, and we need to be concerned about now, what does God want us to be doing in the home today? And we need to get back to things that are just so basic and things that are so fundamental. Unless we do, we're not going to be able to survive as a nation of, of people. Someone has said, as goes the home, so goes the nation. And I believe that is so true. So let's think for just a little while today as we study together 
the viewpoint of God on family values. What is his viewpoint? Well, first of all, I want to ask a question. What is a value? If we're thinking about God's value of the home, how he values the home, what is a value? Well, I, I believe the correct way to think about that is that a value is anything that I deem to be important. Anything that I deem to be important. And there are many things that are important in our lives. And so whatever is important in my life is a value. My wife is important to me. So that is a value that I have. My children are important to me. My grandchildren are important to me. All of my relatives are important to me. The church is important to me. Preaching the gospel is important to me. Living a godly life is important to me. Loving God with all of my heart, my, all of my soul is important to me. Living for Jesus is important to me. See, all of these things are values that we have. Now, how do we determine the values that we have? Now, the world determines their values one way, and then Christians and believers determine their values possibly in another way. The unbelievers of the world determine their values by what they think is a value, what they deem to be the most important thing in their life, and they determine their values from within self. That's really not a new concept. As a matter of fact, in Judges 21 and verse 25, the Bible says, Every man did that which is right in his own eyes. Now, that's how they determined values in that day, by what was right in their own eyes. I taught a class one time on secular humanism. There was a woman who attended that class, and I made a statement that, that there was a secular humanist who pointed up and said, there's no one up there that's going to tell me what to do. And the woman became a little bit angry with me. Later I learned that she had just told her husband the very same thing. No one is going to tell me what I can do and what I cannot do. Well, that's how unbelievers of the world determine their values. They, they do not have an absolute moral standard. They do not have an absolute standard of truth by which to conduct their lives. Whatever is true to them, in their own eyes, is all the truth that they need to know. But now the believers of the world determine their values in a completely different way. You see, our values have already been determined. And we determine our values by the Word of God. In Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4, Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so my values are determined by the Word of God. It is the Word of God that is a lamp to my feet, and that is a light unto my path. I have everything in the Bible that I need to know about how to have a good home, to be a good father, to be a good husband. Second Peter 1 and 3 says, We have all things that pertain to life and godliness. 
to live my life here on this earth and live a godly life, everything I need to know has been revealed in the Bible. Hence, in Isaiah 34, 16, we're told to seek you out of the book of the Lord and read. We just need to be searching the book of God, the Bible, to find out what our values are. You see, they have already been determined for us. And the Word of God is the standard, that standard of absolute truth by which we govern our lives. For example, I don't have to wonder whether or not I should be truthful. That's a value in my life, not because I thought it up, but because the Bible teaches that I should be truthful. I don't have to wonder whether or not that God ought to be first in my life. I don't have to make that up in my own mind and determine whether or not that's right or wrong for me. That value has already been determined in the Word of God. And I don't have to decide whether or not I'm going to be a good husband, a good father, to try to have a godly family, but because... You see, that's already been determined for me in the Bible. All I have to do is to take the Bible and use it as a guide or as a manual for how to live my life, how to conduct myself not only in the home, but to conduct myself in society in general. So our values as Christians are determined by the word of the living God. And God values the home. He values the home. Now, the home has been redefined in our day. And I might point out that it is not God who has redefined the home. No, absolutely not. God is not the one who has redefined the home. There are those who have tried to redefine the home to tell us that men can be married to men and that women can be married to women because they love each other. Well, do you find that in the Bible? Is this a value that God has told us? Is this something that has been revealed in the Bible? Well, you say, well, not in explicit terms. No, exactly, it's not in explicit terms at all. The very opposite has been revealed. For example, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, Paul said, To avoid fornication, every man should have his own wife. Every woman should have her own husband. A husband and a wife, a man and a woman. And so men have redefined even what a family is today. Some think that they can just live together, and a man and woman live together, and that just, it's okay, it's all right in the sight of God, and they've tried to redefine what a family unit is today. Well, now, just suppose that the government should do some redefining for us. And that's not unusual, perhaps, for them to do that in certain instances. But suppose that they were to redefine what our daily nutritional requirements are. Suppose the federal government should say, you know, you don't need to eat nearly as much food as you do. And I would imagine that might be one way in which the government might be right. Most of us, 
don't need to eat nearly as much as we do. Some people don't have enough to eat. And that is a, a sad commentary on the richest nation in the world that we have people in this nation who don't have enough to eat. But let's just assume that they've told us you don't need to eat quite nearly as much food. Would that keep me from being hungry just because the government tried to redefine how much food I'm supposed to eat? Absolutely not. I'd still have the hunger pains in my body even though I'm trying to go by the guidelines the government has given me. Well, now just suppose an individual redefines what a family is. They redefine what a family is. Does that mean that their new definition of a home is the thing that God has told us in His Word? Absolutely not. We would still have the need to, to define the family as God sees it. Now, God values the home. And I want us to think about some ways that we know that God values the home. And basically, we're going to be talking about God's purpose, His purpose for the home. First of all, one of the purposes of the home was to prevent sin. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 2, Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife, every woman her own husband. It was for the prevention of sin. Another purpose for the home is the propagation of the race. In Genesis chapter 9 and verse 1, the Lord said, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. The place that children are to be brought into this world is in within the framework of the home. It is the case that so many children today are being born out of wedlock, and many of them grow up uh, without a father or maybe sometimes even without a mother in their home. But that's not God's design for the home. God's purpose for the home is to bring children into the world, and His purpose in doing that is that they might have a father and a mother to bring them up in the nurture and in the admonition of the Lord. Another purpose that God has for the home is to prevent loneliness. After God made Adam in the Garden of Eden, we're told in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, that God saw that it was not good for the man to be alone. And thus he created for man a companion. Now that companion was one of the purposes of it was to keep Adam from being lonely. There was no creature that God had made that was a suitable companion for Adam. So he needed companionship. And she became his help meet or help mate. She became the one who complemented his life. And so we, the purpose of the home is to prevent loneliness. I have seen people married for 50, 60, and 70 or more years, and they are so close as husband and wife, and then one of them dies, and the other person becomes so lonely, so lonely. 
And, and they are grieving because they have lost their companion. You see, God knows what's best for us. And one of the purposes that God has for the home is that to prevent us from being lonely. Another purpose of God is that the home should be patriarchal in government. The Lord said, your desire shall be to your husband, and he shall rule over you. Now, I know some would be offended by that statement, but keep in mind that that was written by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Those are not my words. Those are God's, God's words. And so God, God wants man to be, uh, have a home, and in that home, the husband is to be the leader in that home. Joshua chapter 24 and verse 15, Joshua said, as far as me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And one of the great needs in the home in America, perhaps even throughout the world, is for male leadership in the home. There is a lack of male leadership in the home. There are boys that grow up without a father. I've seen this with boys who, who have no father at home. He, he left his wife because he saw someone else he liked better, and he began to, have a, uh, to engage in sin, and he became an adulterer. And, and the boys in that home, the children in that home, grow up without a father. They need, that, they need that father image in the home. But so many are growing up without that. There was a judge in Mobile, Alabama, a number of years ago, who said this, and it was recorded in the local newspaper, that, that 80% of the children that came to his court had no father at home. That is deplorable. That is deplorable. We need men who will step up and assume the responsibility of trying to train and to rear those that they help bring into the world. One of the purposes of God thus is to lead the home, to be patriarchal in government. But another purpose of the home is for pleasure. Someone says, well, what do you mean by that? Well, in Hebrews 13 and 4, the Bible says that, that uh, marriage is honorable in all, and the bed is undefiled. There isn't anything ugly. There isn't anything sinister about the sexual side of a marriage. And there is a certain amount of pleasure involved in that relationship. That's one of the reasons that God said, nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let a man be married to one woman and a woman be married to one man. And so it's to prevent sin. It's for pleasure. And then God, another purpose that God has for the home is purity. To have the home pure. You know, the Bible says, wives, submit yourselves unto your husbands as unto the Lord. But the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he's the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be subject their husbands and everything, and husbands love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church. 
not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. And so the church is to be pure. And the, God is using the relationship of a husband and wife to talk about Christ in the church. And the church is to be pure. And there is to be purity in the relationship of a husband and wife. That is, a man is to be faithful to his wife. A wife is to be faithful to her husband. Someone says, well, why do people cheat on their companions? Well, I could give a long list of things that many people think about. They say, well, that's the middle age crisis and, and uh, they, they think the grass is greener on the other side and, and, and go on and on and on about different reasons and rationalizations about why people cheat. Here's basic reason. Here's the bottom line reason they sin. The old devil gets in their life. The devil comes between a husband and wife and the devil knows that if he can become between a husband and his wife, that he can destroy that family, and that's what he wants to do. He wants to destroy your family. That's the reason that a man should cleave to his wife, and a wife should cleave to her husband. That simply means that they need to live a life of purity and be faithful one to another. Now, here's another purpose that God had for the home, and that purpose is permanence. How long? Oh, how long should you stay married till your wife appears without makeup on? Uh, how, how long should you may be married un until your husband goes several days without shaving? How long should you may be married until you get tired of that individual? Just, just how long should you be married? And Jesus answered that question. What God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. It's for life. Would you not make your home a Christian home by giving your life to Jesus today? But by believing on Christ with all of your heart? That repenting of your sins, confessing your faith in Jesus Christ by being baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins. The Lord led you to His body, the church. You live for Christ in the home and bring your children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Help your grandchildren go to heaven one day. I want to thank you for watching today. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you is my prayer. We want to help you as much as possible in your search for a personal relationship with God. You can now easily access our free Bible correspondence course online at gettingtoknowyourbible.com. If there's any way we can help you grow closer to God, please email us at knowyourbible at golftel.com or call us anytime at 1-877-711-5214. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, 
P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580 or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.